the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. I just got out of court. I don't know. I feel like there should be a lot more of the day left. That's why I want to hear Mick Jagger sing and start me up. I'm like, okay, we got to start me up because we're doing a little radio here from the office. And then we're going to zip up town to the Columbus Citizens Foundation where it is the Colombian Lawyers Judges Night tonight, which is the Colombian Lawyers. It's not people who graduated from Columbia Law School. And it's not people from the country of Colombia. It is the Italian-American lawyers named after Christopher Columbus, who we're going to speak about uh, later on in the program since uh, Senator Biagi has caused such a stir with her uh, filling out a form running for Congress saying that uh, she thinks that Columbus Circle should be done away with. Uh, And we're also obviously going to speak about what everyone is speaking about. No, not inflation. No, not the Fed raising the rate. But what happened in the Supreme Court of the United States of America. But before we get to that, let's talk about some New York news, because, you know, I love talking about New York news. And um, there are some polls that came out. And it is by far, uh, according to these polls, the number one concern over education, over the economy, over the price of gasoline, over everything else. The number one concern is crime. 50% of city voters, more than triple the 15% of residents who cited affordable housing and 12% who cited homelessness as big issues. 50% said crime is the number one issue. And, you know, uh, Mayor Adams has been at it for four solid months now. And um, his approval rates aren't looking great right now. Um, 54% disapprove of Adams' handling of crime, um, and 37% approve. That's a big drop from a Quinnipiac poll in February after he was in for, whatever, five weeks, when um, basically 50% of uh, people who took the poll said they thought he was doing a good job. Now only 37% say he's doing a good job. Uh, He's out there today. Um, He's on, I think he's in California. And he is um, talking about using technology to fight crime. 
And they're even talking about having these, um, you know how you go through Easy Pass and you don't really, you don't have to stop at the toll and it just reads your um, Easy Pass, those of us who drive. Um, they're talking about having uh, metal detectors that you won't even know that you're going through. Now, that is something I would love to have my, my partner, Judge Barry Cammons, on about, you know, is it uh, because he's an expert. Well, you know, let's say expert. He's a specialist in search and seizure in the Fourth Amendment. And today is May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Now, that everyone thinks that's a Star Wars term, but here at Idala Bertuna and Cammons, Judge Cammons has literally written the book. He has written the legal treaty on um, the Fourth Amendment, which... Speaking of the United States Supreme Court is one of the the biggest decisions that always comes down from them. It usually has to do with the right of unlawful searches and seizures. Now, I know we're going to get into this in a second, but just so you understand, it is very clearly articulated in the United States Constitution and in the case law thereafter, immediately thereafter, that you have a right against the government kicking in your front door that there is nothing so um, clearly written in the United States Supreme Court regarding a woman's right to an abortion. But we're going to talk about that in just a few moments with um, Professor uh, uh, Alan Sanders. Um, he's not hes not from the right. He's not from the left. We're going to talk about it from a legal point of view. He's got an interesting background. He's a former uh, senior reporter for Time magazine and a professor emeritus at St. Peter's University in in, uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. But he's also all over the airwaves, and he was the last couple of days, and that's why we secured him to talk to us, and we can have an honest conversation about uh, what took place with the... There's two issues. One is the leaking of the the decision, and then the, the other one is the decision itself. I will only say that yesterday I exchanged uh, emails with Justice Alito himself. I'm not going to get into what the substance of them was, but it's uh, a privilege to have that relationship. Uh, I will tell you on a very personal level, we're talking about crime in New York City. Uh, Those of you who just listened to Cats at Night heard uh, Charlie Gasparino talking about uh, the city of Philadelphia and and how things are kind of tough down there. Uh, the feds raised the rate and there was an immediate reaction on wall street. Usually when there's more money floating around, the crime seems to go down. If you follow the trend, the, um, now these aren't immediate reactions, but, uh, the, the Dow and as you know, shot up, I believe 900 points was the last I looked. Um, that's a lot in a day. So, um, there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of this is a very active time of history uh, in, in especially in the United States of America. You know, I, I was listening to the radio this morning and I heard someone say, oh, you know, who cares about Ukraine and who cares about what's going on over there? You know, people are sick and tired of hearing of it. You know, that's it's not true. Number one, um, it, just just pay attention and it's very sad what's going on there. And to think it doesn't have ripple effects throughout all of Europe. And then, you know, it bleeds over into America and it bleeds into democracy. You guys have to wrap your brains around the fact that one is a democratic uh, state and one is a non-democratic state. Uh, and, you know, Putin obviously is trying to take democracy away from that portion of Europe. And he's doing it in a very, very 
horrible, disgusting, tragic way. Uh, you may not. Yes, the Supreme Court leak knocked Ukraine off the front page uh, of the New York Times and, and other um, periodicals because it's so devastating here at home. But, you know, you, you see these little old ladies and old men and their lives are just gone. Their homes are literally rubble. Everything you have is gone. And these people had nothing to do with the war. Now, you want to say, listen, Zelensky, you needed to figure out how to get out of this before it started. Like when I say started, I mean, you know, before the first bombs dropped or immediately after the first bombs dropped. But um, it, 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 look, it didn't happen. And if you pay attention, it's really, as human beings, it's, it's just so sad. And yes, we don't want World War Three. And yes, I'm not saying American soldiers should be going over there and, and shedding blood. Not yet, anyway. But it's really, really sad. I mean, if you pay attention and you watch and you look and you research, it's really sad. And it's not just a distraction. It's not a way to hide Biden. Oh, Biden's not doing well, so let's focus on Ukraine. America, whether we like it or not, has been uh, the police officer, the law enforcement officer, basically for the globe for a very long time. And this is what we do. And that's what makes us special is we care. We care about other people's suffering and we're far from perfect, but we do the best that we can to end their suffering. If we can, if we have the ability and the power to do so. And I, you know, right now I think we're doing as much as we can be doing and maybe should be doing, uh, to help others, but we definitely need some help at home. The leak of the Supreme Court decision was a violation of epic proportion. And I don't, I'm not exaggerating. Uh, I have been so fortunate. I've, I don't know. I've been in the Supreme Court of the United States of America countless times, professionally, personally, socially. I've been to many, many cocktail parties there. I see what kind of a close-knit family they have. And, you know, I'm talking about the people who work in the gift shop and in the cafeteria and all the security people, the marshals, the the Supreme Court of the United States police force. They're a very special, unique entity. And underlying all of that is one word, trust. They all trust each other because they have to, because it's supposed to be a very special part of our government. As we've spoken before... They're not supposed to be activists, right? They can't bring a case. Someone has to bring them the case. So they can't change something on their own. It's got to be brought to them for it to be changed. But uh, they are so well aware of the power that they have and the privilege that they have. And I'm reading all of these articles today in the New York Times, big article. The United States Supreme Court is out of touch with the rest of America. Absolutely. Absolutely. The first person who would agree with that is Justice Antonin Scalia. And he would say, that's why we should not be making laws, because we are absolutely out of touch. Our job is to see the, the look at the laws that Congress passes after they're challenged, and then we're going to decide, are those laws constitutional or not constitutional? We are not supposed to create rights out of thin air. When we're going to come back, we're going to talk to Professor... Um, Alan Sanders, and uh, we're going to dig into this even deeper. 
So Connors and Sullivan are lawyers that they want to dig deeper into your finances on the most professional level and what the what you want your future to look like if you're not here. So they're going to sit down with you and they are going to come up with a plan that protects your assets, keeps your family out of probate when you're no longer with us, make sure nursing homes uh nursing home costs don't bankrupt you. They will plan now now to put a will together, to put a trust together, to put a power of attorney, a healthcare proxy, a living will, your overall estate plan. The goal of Connors and Sullivan is always the protection of your rights and your interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. Visit them for a no-obligation-free consultation. Call Connors and Sullivan today to schedule a free in-person initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Just call them, 718-238-6500, 718-238-6500, or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. And remember, folks, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored in part by the good people at Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey. America's been thunderstruck by the all-new 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander. Get high style without the high price, plus an industry-leading 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Drive one today at Freehold Mitsubishi for the best selection and outstanding customer service. Just a short ride from anywhere in the metro tri-state area. Visit FreeholdMitsubishi.com or call Debating conversation has been going on now for uh, 48 hours almost. Uh, let's talk to Professor Alan Sanders, uh, who's been talking about this all over the airwaves uh, for the last couple of days as well. Hello, Professor. It's Arthur Idala. Welcome to AM 970 The Answer. How are you, sir? Very good, Arthur. How are you? I'm good. I got to tell you, I'm very uh, upset by, besides the content of the leak. Uh, or yeah, I'm not going to even comment on that at this point. I'm so upset about the actual leak itself. Um, I was very, very good friends with Justice Antonin Scalia. I have a very excellent relationship with Justice Samuel Alito. I was emailing him yesterday about this this uh, this breach of uh, trust at the United States Supreme Court, and you know I know how 
how much they all value um, the trust that takes place inside of that building and the storied history of that building. And, uh, you know, I, I cannot imagine that uh, Justice Roberts is doing anything except being nauseous uh, over the last 48 hours. But I want to give you the airwaves. Tell me what your thoughts are, Professor. Well, uh, I think uh, you've expressed uh, the, the thoughts about the leak uh, pretty much as the way the Supreme Court uh, would be reacting to it, and many people around the country would be reacting to it. I mean, uh, in, one, in one way, uh, the Supreme Court is both the most secretive but also the most public institution. That is to say, it's secretive in that uh, before a decision is publicly announced, uh, everything about the decision and the deliberations of the justices is uh, completely secret. I mean, if you think the White House or the CIA or the national security agencies are uh, uh, top secret uh, organizations. Nothing is more secret than the Supreme Court uh, before a decision is announced. But of course, once a decision is announced, it's very public. Uh, the justices, whether they agree uh, or are part of the majority or whether they are in dissent, uh, tell you pretty clearly where they stand on whatever the issue is. Uh, so it's uh, quite an quite institution, both the most secretive institution in the U.S., but also in many ways the most public institution. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite, interesting. A, quite a unique place. When you talk about it, you know, about how public it is, Obviously, yes, the, the, they take the the bench and uh, they announce the decision and the decision with this type of impact. Uh, they will read not the whole decision, but they'll read portions of it from the bench. Here it would be, uh, hypothetically, if it goes the same way, it would be Justice Alito. But then typically they leave. They usually do that on the last day of the term, which typically is the very last uh, uh, like day they sit in the last week of june i think because of covid they got pushed till july last year and then they usually disappear they take these teaching positions overseas uh so that they're not around for the the fallout for whatever decisions they hand down uh now i mean i have no problem telling you uh i, I mentioned them i have a excellent relationship with justice alito i am 100 percent concerned for this his safety and the safety of his family um, because there are nut jobs out there who could do crazy stuff. Um, and um, But, uh, you know, overall as an institution, I, I hate to hear, I, I'm not, I don't have my head in the sand, but regarding the politicization of it. And the fact that I, I my understanding, and I've been in court all day, Professor, I'm in the middle of a murder trial, but mm -hmm. <clears throat> I don't believe anything from the White House or the Capitol came down, and please correct me if I'm wrong, came down condemning the leak itself. Has that happened? Uh, well, I don't think that's been uh, the most uh, important uh, thing <laughs> that, uh, the, uh, that uh, you know, uh, I've heard. I mean, it, it's very possible that uh, announcements of that kind have been made. I haven't heard of them, so uh, um, I agree with you on that. Uh, I think uh, what really has been the bombshell that has preoccupied the public and the political establishment uh, both Republicans as well as Democrats, is, is the content of this. Now, the Republicans have, um, uh, for the most part, focused on the leaks. If you listen to them, they've, they've talked about the leaks. The Democrats, for the most part, have focused on the substance. Uh, both are equally important. Uh, and it's, uh, it's unfortunate uh, that there's been a partisan divide, uh, the Republicans talking only or mostly about the leak, and the Democrats talking mostly or only about uh, the content. Both are bombshells. Uh, they're bombshells, the leak, for the reasons we've just discussed. Uh, but uh, the content of the decision, uh, because we're dealing with a 50-year-old precedent, and that is a bombshell because the court almost never 
uh, outrightly reverses um, a precedent. Now, of course, we don't know whether they ultimately will. We only have the draft opinion to, to base our uh, uh, discussion on. Uh, but typically, when the court disagrees with a, um, uh, with a precedent, particularly a 50-year-old precedent, um, and a precedent, by the way, that's been upheld uh, repeatedly uh, at the Supreme Court level and at lower court levels, uh, if there's disagreement or there's a change of view about such a precedent, typically the court tries to narrow it. Uh, uh, you know, uh, works around the edges of the precedent and tries to reduce either uh, the doctrine uh, that was uh, inherent in the decision or the practical impact of the decision. So both are bombshells. And in a, in a way to, um, I mean, in, in the way this uh, decision has been received um, by the political establishment and by the public, highlights the divisions of this country, not only over abortion, but over everything. Republicans highlighting one aspect of the bombshell uh, of this uh, leak, and uh, the Democrats highlighting yet another uh, uh, aspect uh, of the leak. So, uh, so let me, in, let many me just ways, tell you. in many ways, it's a temperature check on where the country is, and unfortunately, I think the temperature is quite hot. So, um, and it's interesting because I, here's why I'm more upset about the leak, uh, is it's another chink in the armor of the American way. The same way on January 6th, that was a chink in the armor of the American way. So now you've had the, uh, the legislative branch having been overrun on January 6th, and that shook the foundation. I mean, that was that was uh, riveting news. That was all literally all over the planet Earth. Everyone stopped and watched that because that shook the foundation of our democracy. And this is, thank God, it's not as bad, but it's in that same genre of, eh, our institutions aren't that important. We could, you know, run roughshod over them. And that's the part of it that it, it, it's, if this happened with any case, I'd be upset. I, any case, I'd be like, what, what, what do you mean? I mean, has justice, I mean, I'm sure Chief Justice Roberts is taking this so personally. Um, I do know, I know him a little bit, um, but I know how he runs his courthouse. And he runs it in a very formal way, much more so than Justice Chief Justice Rehnquist did. And the fact that on his watch, under the Roberts court, this happened, uh, has got to be blowing his mind. But let's talk about what you what you brought up. Um, the court has reversed itself of a 54-year-old um, case, right? A 54-year-old precedent. They, they did that with Plessy versus Ferguson with Brown v. Board of Education. Um, so... I, look, stare decisis, which means, you know, once we rule on it and we've affirmed it, we should, you know, stay put, um, basically, unless we have realized we've made a big mistake. Um, but that was the Plessy versus Ferguson for the listeners who don't know. Um, Mr. Plessy was on a train that was the, the cars were for black people only. And he challenged it, saying you can't do that under the 14th Amendment. And, and the Supreme Court said no. They, didn't use, they never used the words in this decision, separate but equal. Um, but they basically said, look, as long as you're getting this, you're still on the train, you still get to get to the same place, you just can't be in the same car as the white people. And that was the precedent of the United States of America for 54 years. And then it was yeah. overturned. Sure. Look, uh, but uh, two points here. 
the Supreme Court does uh, occasionally reverse itself totally on a particular decision. But what's very interesting about this abortion case, and which has not been really reported very much by um, by anyone, is that uh, the Casey decision, which uh, narrowed uh, Roe versus Wade, but which nonetheless reaffirmed it, in that decision, in the center of that decision, is a very lengthy and long opinion uh, supported by the majority of the court, written by Justice O'Connor at the time, Correct. indicating that uh, the Supreme Court respects precedent, and in this particular case, or this particular issue, uh, the importance of adhering to precedent is essential, and that the court uh, in 1992, when it looked at that, saw no essential reason, no reason legally or factually or in any way, uh, requiring that the precedent be overturned. So when you have a decision or a potential decision right now saying that the decision of Roe versus Wade should be overturned, uh, there's no discussion by anyone about the fact that Justice O'Connor and a majority of her colleagues in the heart of the Casey decision said there is no reason to diverge from precedent. And she went through all of the reasons that people have argued and made about overruling Roe versus Wade. And she concluded at the end with her majority that there's no reason uh, legally or factually, to overrule um, Roe versus Wade. So this is what makes this particularly a bombshell decision, because um, there's nothing, the court already looked at whether it would be appropriate to overturn Roe versus Wade, and in 1992 it came to the conclusion that there wasn't any reason, legally or factually. So this is what makes this particularly, um, uh, uh, you know, dramatic, a bombshell event, and something that uh, is highly unusual. When the Supreme Court already went through all the factors as to why the president should be adhered to. Okay, so I just need you to uh, clear the air for us um, mm-hmm. about politics. I heard on, on, other, pla- on other places on the, uh, on the airwaves that people are saying, oh, uh, this decision, uh, it, it's all about politics or it, it's... Uh, let me rephrase the question, Your Honor. I'm so used to being professor. I'm so used to being in court today. Uh, let me allow me to rephrase the question. That the, 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 this case is coming out when it is to affect the midterm elections, and the justices are trying to release it to uh, affect the balance of power in Congress or the balance of power in the Senate. Uh, do you think that there's any truth to that? Uh, no, I, I don't think the justices are trying to do anything. The justices uh, render their decision, and as you pointed out, uh, this decision would have probably be handed down on the last day of, of the court term. They're, they're known decisions like this, big decisions like this, are known as get-out-of-town decisions right. uh, by the people who follow the court. Um, so I don't think there's any political motivations about uh, the leak from the justices. In fact, I, have, I, I would be almost certain that no justice uh, leaked this opinion in any way. Um, but um, uh, the politics of this, of course, is that now that we know that at least uh, a potential overruling of Roe versus Wade is, is possible, uh, that's going to dramatically affect the politics of this country. Uh, we have a midterm election, and of course it's going to affect the national election, but I think more importantly than the national elections, it's going to affect the elections at the state levels, because if Roe versus Wade is in fact turned, uh, uh, the uh, political decisions as to whether to allow abortion or not allow abortion or restrict abortions is going to be made at the state level. 
So this is going to intensify the debate and the activity and the funding and the money uh, and the rhetoric at the state level for both state legislatures and, of course, for the governorships of the states. Um, So it will have a profound impact nationally, certainly, but I think even more so at the state levels. Um, Let's just talk about um, the justice who's coming on the court. I mean, I'm just trying to clear the air because... Professor, there are a lot of people who are on television and radio talking about this who are not lawyers. Uh, and some of them said, oh, Chief Justice Roberts is going to now hold the decision back and not release it until the next term, uh, which begins in October, when Justice Breyer would no longer be on the court and the new justice would be on the court. That's definitely 100 percent not happening. Correct, uh, Professor? Uh, I, I think so. Look, I think if you're uh, Justice, uh, the Chief Justice Roberts, or if you're any of the other justices, what you want to uh, uh, present right now is a position of the business of the court is not going to be disrupted in any way. I mean, that's that would be any institutional uh, move uh, by anyone who's been sort of damaged by a leak, that uh, we are going to proceed with our work as we've always proceeded with our work, um, and this is not going to disrupt us in any way. I mean, that would be certainly the public statement, the public image that you want to project. Um, and so I think um, that, you know, whatever deliberations still remain to be done over uh, this case, because this is just a preliminary draft, so whatever remained to be done before it became finalized will be done. Uh, it's unlikely that um, uh, the public release will affect that in any way. And uh, when they're ready to actually announce the final decisions, um, decision, uh, they will announce it. Now, it's possible that in the final decision there may be a statement uh, in the decision majority or in the dissent about, about public opinion on the issue. Um, but, of course, we'll have to wait and see. But I think uh, uh, the Chief Justice and, and his colleagues um, at the High Court all want to project uh, uh, the uh, image not right now that, uh, look, we're doing our job. This is unfortunate. This is dramatic. Uh, this is something that uh, should never have happened. Uh, but uh, we're going to continue and press on. I would also say um, that, you know, whatever the, uh, the source of the leak is, my guess is this is not, uh, this is an individual. This is, this is not something that's systemic in the court. So although it's damaging to the court, it's always damaging when an institution suffers a leak. Typically, um, leaks are produced by individuals. And so I'm not sure it will have a lasting effect. Uh, it'll have certainly a big effect in the short run. But in the long run, I don't think it's going to affect the court um, uh, dramatically because if we find out who the individual is, then we'll know and that'll, that'll be it. And so, then, wait, and I, Professor, I just want to... I want to ask you, I'm I'm sorry for interrupting, Professor uh, Alan Sanders, I want to ask you on that particular uh, topic. So the individual, let's say the individual uh, is exposed as being a law clerk for one of the justices. I'm going to go out on a limb and is saying if a law clerk did do that, it probably would not be one of the justices, one of the clerks who works for the six justices who are in the majority or whatever, five. We'll see what the ultimate vote is. Uh, What is... Again, I've been a little preoccupied trying to case. So, mm-hmm. do you think there's any crime? Do you think it has has this? I don't know if this has ever happened before. Not it hasn't in modern history that the Department of Justice could look at it as some form of a, I don't know violation of, of a, that it's such a high level it rises to a level of a, of criminality. Well, you know, I, I don't know the uh, the criminal law on this subject. My guess is, uh, if it violates anything, it probably violates. Um, uh, some uh, contract clause or some uh, clause of employment uh, about uh, maintaining secrecy and privacy. 
Uh, but I would also say I doubt very much that uh, the leak comes from the justices, certainly, because it would uh, dissolve any kind of trust uh, and working relationship that the justices have among themselves. So I don't think that's... that's oh, I, I 100% and, don't think it comes and, from any and, of the and justices. I also, don't think, I also don't think it comes from a clerk unless it's some clerk that's really <laughs> deranged, because for a clerk to do that and to uh, substantially be identified, that is the end of the legal career, uh, or perhaps of any career of that clerk. Because, well, you know, um, that, that's what I just know. want to explore with you, Professor. Yeah. I, I, I know you're saying that, and I'm saying that as a lawyer. Okay, and we appreciate that and we appreciate the trust in our field. But to many people, that individual is going to be a hero. And would you be so surprised if that person, yes, gets exposed, yes, gets disbarred and then winds up being a talking head somewhere or or gets some sort of position in in the the harsh portion of the country that is, you know, views them as a hero? Well, I wouldn't be surprised by anything. We've seen lots of people that we don't find very appetizing uh, become uh, popular on uh, in the media or in other parts of of, of our establishment uh, here in this country. But having invested so much time, so much effort uh, in becoming a law clerk, I think uh, anybody who is operating at that level of the judicial system would really, really hesitate to do anything so damaging. I don't even think it would come into their minds uh, because, uh, you know, you're really trained to be a lawyer. You're really trained um, to, to work your hardest at the highest of professional levels. I just don't think so. Well, I Professor Allison, I understand that. I mean, I, I just put it away, you know, being a, a clerk to a Supreme Court justice. Uh, is 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 uh, operates on a much higher level than being an aide, let's say, to a senator or to a representative. Oh, 100 percent is not even close. I mean, they well, all come from Harvard, it Yale. Compare. It doesn't compare in terms of the amount of energy, the amount of work, the amount of loyalty, the amount the of, amount of money you've spent to get through system. Yale or Harvard. Yeah. So okay, right. so then let's, Professor, let's play it out then. Who would leak something like this? It's not going to be like a, a cleaning service or you know a, a, some no, security guard. Lower, it could be somebody lower in the administration, uh, the administrative uh, uh, structure of the court. Also, don't forget that we have leaks and we have hacking uh, that produce leaks. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just speculating, and I have no way of, of making sure. But, you know, hacking is certainly a possibility in this day and age, and that could be almost anybody if, it, uh, if the leak occurred through that, uh, uh, you know, uh, that way. I mean, I have – this is just pure speculation, so I don't want to delve too much No, no, I understand. It. Listen, Professor, I, um, I, have, you know. I have one minute left. I just want to tell you thank you so much, number one, for coming on the show. Um, could you just tell us a little bit about your life at Time Magazine? Well, my life at Time Magazine was that of a typical reporter. I worked at, at headquarters, and so I was mostly involved in research and writing. And what happened there is we got the reports from the field from our reporters, and then it was our task in New York headquarters to put it together into a, a story, a different viewpoints. So you, you try to uh, uh, do that, I mean, uh, and you try to analyze it on the basis of your own understanding and on the uh, understanding of the people who are out in the field. So it was a collaborative effort. Uh, a very exciting collaborative effort, uh, one with long hours, uh, but uh, also very satisfying. Uh, I miss it uh, uh, at one level, but on the other hand, I'm glad I don't have to run after the news the way I used to. <laughs> well, well, yeah, now you're making news uh, in the best in the best <laughs> sense of the word. So, Professor Alan Sanders, thank you so much for finding the time. Keep plugging away. Keep doing a great job, and I, hopefully you'll come back and join us again uh, here on AM 970, The Answer. All right. Thank you very much, and you have a great day. 
Thank you. Have a good evening. All right. That was Professor Alan Sanders, uh, who used to work for Time Magazine for a very long time. He is a professor emeritus at St. Peter's University in New Jersey. Quick break, and then we're going to talk about Christopher Columbus. ReliefFactor.com, 800-500-8384. That's the number to order Relief Factor. And the uh, Relief Factor relieves you of joint and muscle pain. It is a miracle supplement. I can't, I don't know what the word completely safe is. I don't want to be liable. It's so safe, I don't think there's a limitation on the amount of time you could take it. Try it for three weeks because they say you'll know in three weeks. If it doesn't work in three weeks, probably won't work. They say that. $19.95. So if you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or just getting older, you should order the three-week quick start discounted to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you. It has for about 70% of the half million people who've tried it, and they've ordered more. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF, the number 4-RELIEF, to find out about this offer. Feel the difference. Craving that signature Sunday sauce? Michaels of Brooklyn will make your place a must. Join Michaels of Brooklyn Sauce of the Month Club. Receive a different jar of Michaels of Brooklyn pasta sauce, homemade pasta and biscotti each month for six months. Make your home the place to be with Michaels of Brooklyn signature fresh marinara right in your home. Visit michaelsofbrooklyn.com and order online. That's michaelsofbrooklyn.com. Michaels of Brooklyn, serving the community since 1964. Like AM 970, The Answer? Then don't forget to like us on Facebook. Interact with us. Share your thoughts about your favorite shows. Give feedback to our hosts. Share your opinion on hot topics. Learn about events and more. AM970TheAnswer.com. Freehold Mitsubishi in Freehold Township, New Jersey, is proud to be an automotive leader in our area and sponsor of the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Mitsubishi dreamers, designers, and engineers are redefining choices in mobility for a whole new generation of independent, modern, and savvy consumers who want value, like the new redesigned 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander featuring its industry-leading Mitsubishi 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain limited warranty. Visit Freehold Mitsubishi today, freeholdmitsubishi.com, or call 732-863-27. 88. People do some pretty cool things in their 40s and 50s. Why should saving for retirement be any different? I mean, they go back to college, learn new instruments, start skateboarding. Okay, maybe that one's not for everybody, but saving for retirement is. With aceyourretirement.org, you can get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. Just have a three-minute chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach from AARP. You'll get personalized recommendations based on your input that are easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Snarly move, Dad. Thanks, sweetie. So wherever you are in your retirement savings journey, head to aceyourretirement.org and start chatting with Avo today. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. 
Has increased volatility in the financial markets caused you to question your future? Are you planning to retire in the next five to 10 years, but you're not sure if your money will last? Here at Regency Wealth Management, these are the kinds of questions we help clients with. Contact me, Brian Cabot, at regencywealth.com for your free consultation. Regencywealth.com, where experience matters. Let us help you achieve your financial goals. This is Greg Floyd, president of Teamsters Local 237. Join me for Reaching Out. We'll talk about the issues that matter the most to working families, union members, and everyone who cares about the future. On the next Reaching Out, Greg welcomes back now New York City Council Member from District 5, Julie Menon, to talk about, among other things, the initiative to bring free broadband to residents of NYCHA housing. It's Reaching Out, Saturday afternoon at 2.30, with an encore at 9 on AM 970, The Answer. Chances are your home financing questions won't end when this show does. So the next time you have a question about home loans, ask the lending experts at Citizens Bank. They can help you every step of the way during the home buying process, starting with getting a pre-approval before you start shopping for a new home. Call 212-857-6668, 212-857-6668, and ask a citizen. Mortgages are offered and originated by Citizens Bank N.A., NMLS number 433960, Equal Housing Lender. Kevin McCullough is next on AM 970, The Answer. C'è una luna a menzumara, mamma mia, mamma di dare. Figlia mia, cosa dare, mamma mia, pensacci a tu. Se te peglia lo pesce, io le isso va, isso vena, se lo pesce, manatena. Se ci ingappa la fantasia dei pesciuli a vecchiuzza mia, la la riu la pesce fritta e baccalà. Uh, nothing like a little baccala. Nothing like a little baccala. Andre Demino. It's Arturo Aidala. How are you, my friend? Uh, great, uh, Counselor. Good to speak with you. Uh, Andre is the executive board member of the Italian American One Voice Coalition. And tell the listeners here at AM 970 the answer uh, exactly what the Italian American One Voice Coalition uh, stands for. Uh, we're a nationwide organization, and we're dedicated strictly to defending the great Italian-American heritage uh, from the ubiquitous stereotyping and now, of course, all the attacks that we're seeing on, on Columbus. So before we talk about Columbus, let's talk a little bit about the attacks and the uh, assumptions sure. that people whose name in an avowal, especially those from the su- most southern part of Italy, uh, are, are part of organized crime or have some affiliation of organized crime. What has the Italian-American One Voice Coalition, how are they trying or how have they combated that? Well, every, every instance that you see, because unfortunately, just like you said, the, when it comes to Italian-Americans, political correctness just does not exist. Every Italian-American in media, in politics, just in popular culture, they're, either, they're portrayed either as a mobster or mafioso or also as a bimbo or buffoon, and it's just not acceptable. Well, I, that's great. So... Besides having role models out there, uh, like the likes of a Justice Antonin Scalia and a Mario right. Cuomo, uh, Leon Panetta, Joe Torre, um, whether you like her politics or not, you know, um, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, is uh, she's a very proud of her Italian-American heritage. Uh, are there other, any other ways to combat that stereotype and make sure that young Italian-American people have the pride in their heritage that they should 
Well, of course, education is very important, but we can't just rely just on education. We have to speak out, and that's what we do at the Italian-American One Voice Coalition. Every time we see an instance of this, we have what we call our defenders, and our defenders, we launch an email or a phone campaign to uh, whatever network it is that's allowing this to occur on their stations, and we tell them it's just not acceptable. And, you know, you got shows like Jersey Shore that have influenced now young people uh, to think that young Italian-Americans are like these bimbos and buffoons, and you got the, all these uh, things about them, the mafia and the mobsters, that are just all over, and we just can't accept that. We've got to push back, and that's what we do by making our phone calls and by pointing these out all the time, why it's not correct. Hey, listen, if it was any other group, Arthur, you know, others don't stand for it. Why do Italian-Americans have to take it? Yeah, no, and that's, look, that's a very valid point. Uh, so uh, we're talking to Andre Domino. He's executive board member of the Italian-American One Voice Coalition. So there was a big stir this week because uh, Alan Roscoff is a very big political figure here in New York. Uh, he runs a, a big Democratic club. It's a very, 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 very liberal club. And although we're friendly, we, we basically can't even agree that the sky is up and the ocean has water in it. But, you know, on a social basis, we're friendly. But he has this this um, application to be sponsored by his club, his political club. And on the application says, you know, what do you think should happen in Columbus Circle and the, the statue of Christopher Columbus? And a young woman who I know for for a long time, um, uh, Alessandra Biaggi, who, um, you know, when you meet her, I mean, she's very charismatic. She's very intelligent. Her grandfather, uh, Congressman Mario Biaggi, was a former police officer. And my grandfather, the boxing referee and writer for the Daily Mirror, Artie Idala, they had a very close relationship. They were two Bronx guys, and they were movers and shakers in their heyday. Uh, and 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 Grandpa Mario Biaggi, you know, he would he was around for a long time. He was in a wheelchair towards the end of his life. Uh, his own son Richard uh, was the president of the Colombian Lawyers Association the year before I was, which is obviously it's named after Christopher Columbus. So uh, Miss Biaggi in 2022 decided to fill out this form and say that the Christopher Columbus statue should come down and. Uh, you know, but you know, you talk about political correctness. She's not like an outlier. Everyone who's going to that organization is saying, "Oh yeah, forget Columbus, forget Columbus, forget Columbus." Um, you know, let let me hand the microphone over to Andre Domino uh, from the Italian American One Voice Coalition. Fight back, Andre. Go for it. Well, first, it's an absolute double insult that, uh, you know, Mario Biaggi's granddaughter would say this. Okay, she, you know, she wants to play into this group and, and all of their uh, positions and so forth, but why does she have to betray her heritage, betray her family, and betray her Italian background with this uh, a move to support removing that beautiful, iconic statue in Columbus Circle that is so important? You know, that statue was put up with the nickels and dimes of Italian-Americans that were discriminated against with our, in our past uh, generations. And to think that she would do that, it's, it's really just a double insult. And, really, you know, considering the fact that she wants to represent the 3rd District in New York, uh, she should really think about the people in her district. And I'm sure there's a lot of Italian-Americans are not going to be too pleased about it. Uh, and she's really not doing the right thing for the district she wants to represent. You know, it's interesting. You talked about the, the statue itself. And I will, uh, I will share this about my relationship with Justice Samuel Alito. I believe this part. I'm, I don't want to make. I want to make sure I'm not exaggerating. But I believe in Newark, New Jersey, they threw the Columbus statue in the water, in the ocean. 
like within the last two years during the pandemic? You, well, that you know was actually in no, it was actually in Baltimore where they threw it into the river. But the, in Newark, they they tore it down and they put it into storage and they dumped it, and that's trying to be restored. And, and you know, we're fighting that all over the place because so it's like, and all of this, all of this stuff, these brainwashed young people that have been indoctrinated by Howard Zinn. You know, Howard Zinn wrote a book. Uh, he was a, a self-declared Marxist and anarchist, and he wrote a book that's widely used in colleges and schools attacking our country, and he started by distorting the facts about Columbus. And that's the problem that we have, is that people are using these distorted facts, these fabricated things about Columbus that are just not true. He was actually a friend of the indigenous people. And, and you've got, you know, an indigenous person himself, Rafael Ortiz, wrote four books defending Columbus and reversing these things that Howard Zinn said. But unfortunately, you see an Alessandro Biagia and many others are just brainwashed to go after Columbus. And that's an attack not just on Italian-Americans, but on America, because Columbus brought Western culture and united the continents. And that's what he should be remembered for, as well as being the iconic symbol for Italian-Americans. So just getting back to what I was saying and, and uh, emphasizing your point uh, regarding Justice Alito, the way you said in Columbus Circle, it was the money of the immigrants who came over yeah. here and literally their coins. It was the same. Justice Alito made me aware in Newark. You know, he's a Jersey yeah. boy. And in Newark, I mean, that was like the, the people who were the bricklayers and the sanitation men and the people who dug the subways. You know, they took whatever little extra money they had and they all threw it into the pot. And it was uh, the one in Newark was almost 100 years old yeah. uh, because he was he signified, hey, I, I maybe if you want to say he was brilliant or crazy, but he had guts, man. I mean, he had guts to come to, to take this trip. Not No, I mean, we send kids anywhere today. They got a cell phone. They got an iPad. They have this. I mean, you know, you, you, they got Life 360. You know where they are every second of the day. Back then, these guys didn't even know. I mean, he thinks he's in America or he's in the Caribbean. So, uh, I, I look, I don't know where we're going to want, where it's going to wind up. I will tell you here in New York State, I know Andrew Cuomo, the governor, he, he guarded that. I mean, he put this at state when all heck was breaking loose here in Manhattan. He had the state police surrounding the Columbus yep. uh, statue in, in Columbus Circle. Uh, so I don't know. What, what does the future hold, uh, Andre Domino, of uh, the Italian-American One Voice Coalition? Well, we're not sitting back. I don't know if you realize this, but we filed... Uh, a federal litigation against West Orange, New Jersey, for removing the Columbus Monument there. And it's based on, uh, you know, the 14th Amendment, because Italian-Americans are a recognized group under the 14th Amendment. Uh, you know, we're going into your area now, Arthur, of course, but we filed that federal litigation, and we think that's going to be precedent-setting because of the fact that Columbus is what we've chosen as our symbol for Italian-Americans, and we should not be told who we should honor and celebrate. And you talked about those immigrants that put their money together, hardworking people that had their pride to put up the Columbus statue. Why should it be torn down because of this mistake of what the Howard Zinn has perpetrated on our world? It's the wrong thing to do, and we want to prevail in our suit. It's pending right now in the federal courts, and uh, we believe we're going to win it. The bottom line is, uh, Andre, what they're doing is they're holding a 15th century man to yep. 21st century standards. Uh, and, you know, you said he was a friend to the indigenous people. I, I, I'm not sure he was or he wasn't. I wasn't there. I do know the, uh, what I heard this weekend was he probably killed more people by bringing disease 
mm-hmm. from uh, the mainland in Europe to America, and they, would, they, they had zero immunity, and people were dying of things that they weren't, you know, the Native Americans were dying, you know, not, in part, not uh, intentionally. Right, right. Uh, but if you really look at what Columbus did in terms of uh, agriculture, in terms of cattle and, and food and bringing corn to one part of the world, bringing tomatoes to the other part of the world, I mean, the guy really, uh, he, he, you know, he deserves, he deserves the accolades that he's getting. Thank you, Andre, for finding the time to come on here. The airwaves are always yours. I am a kid who grew up in a household, Andre, when we finally, my dad saved up his shekels with my mom, who was a school teacher. My dad was first an assistant district attorney and then went into private practice. And we bought a house. Uh, we, uh, I had my own room. Well, I had my own room. My dad grew up in a house, where an apartment in the Bronx, where he did not have a room. He slept on the couch in the living room. And when he was able to buy his family a house, I'm sure it was a tremendously huge sense of pride and accomplishment. But my room, which was a nice-sized room, one-third of it was painted green, one-third of it was painted white, and the last third was painted red. And on the wall hung about a four-foot by three-foot framed map like a very detailed map of Sicily. So uh, I had I had Pinocchio hanging up all over the place, uh, and I was blessed that uh, I was sent over there many times. I went over there with, the, with my folks when I was younger, but then at 16, my dad sent me there alone. I learned how to speak Italian, uh, and I am blessed to have such a close relationship with uh, not only, the, obviously, the land, with the gorgeous land and culture of Italy, but I have friendships, uh, not only through blood relatives, but through people I've met through the years that I just, I, I hold so near and dear to my heart. So keep fighting the good fight. And remember, Andre Domino, the executive board member of the Italian-American One Voice Coalition, America. It's a beautiful Italian name. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Arthur. All right, Andre. We hope to see you soon. Well, we're almost done here on the Author Idola Power Hour on a Wednesday night. Tomorrow's another court day. Uh, well, I think the people may be resting their case at the end of the day. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I, I've said it every show. I'll say it again. And it's so nice uh, to be back in the courtroom. Nice is an inferior word. Uh, it's exhilarating. How about that? To be back at the courtroom and doing what I, I've been doing. It will be. I just realized this. It will be 30 years um, in February that I've been in the courtroom as a lawyer. Uh, I got sworn in um, the day after my birthday, December the 2nd of 1992. So this year it'll be 30 years. And December 1st is my birthday. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm turning 55 and I'm going to be a lawyer for 30 years. I'm thinking it's party i'm thinking it's a december party it'll be one year that we got the power hour under our belt uh the law firm god bless is doing well everyone seems to be healthy and by december the the city of new york is gonna be rocking and rolling with christmas stuff and parties and the economy's gonna be through the roof and crime's gonna be in the sewers and life is just gonna be awesome so i'm thinking we're gonna do a 30 slash 55 slash something else party uh, in December, but uh, it is great to be uh, a lawyer. It's great to be back in the courtroom. We're going to keep rehashing this Supreme Court situation because it's omnipresent and it is so important to all citizens on many different levels. Congratulations, you got through the week. Tomorrow's Thursday. We'll have another party. See you then. Well, 
The preceding program sponsored by Freehold Mitsubishi. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.